Encore with Shannon Fogarty. Arts and entertainment for the Midlands. With the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Imagine the possibilities. DeanCrowTheatre.com It is Thursday evening and that means it is time for the Midlands Dedicated Arts Show Encore with me, Shannon Fogarty. This show brings you the absolute best of what's been happening in the arts in Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. To get in touch, you can pop me a text or a WhatsApp to 083 30 10 103. You can follow us across all of our social media channels at Midlands 103. Or if you want to be a part of the show, you can email me encore at midlands103.com. So here is what's happening on the show tonight. Tullamore Gramophone Society are hosting a Contempo String Quartet concert in Charleville Castle this month, which is going to be very exciting. And we see the work that Creative Ireland did with the National Ploughing Championship last year and this year. But to start the show, I am joined by a remarkable individual, Beverly Barber, who has a truly inspiring story to share. So Beverly has found strength and healing through poetry during challenging times and she's using her creativity to support a cause that's close to her heart. She joins me now to talk about her new book, Cook's Book of Poetry, The Batty's Wife Story and her passionate fundraising efforts. Beverly, thank you so much for coming on to the show. We're going to dive straight in. Can you tell us more about your book of poetry, Cook's Book of Poetry, The Batty's Wife Story and how it helped you to cope with lockdown and your husband's terminal diagnosis? Okay, um, Martin's diagnosis came in 2018. could not fathom that the rest of my life wouldn't be without him and me on our various adventures we had planned. Um, and so when I got back UK after this visit with his family, three days later, Ireland went into lockdown. So no one could visit and I couldn't go anywhere. So I was stuck in our house that we had made all these plans in and suddenly every single part of the house made noises that I thought I'd never heard before and I just didn't want to be there. Um, And so there was was most late nights wandering the house going, where is that noise coming from? Why didn't I know this? But I, I feel that when he was there, I slept soundly. Mm-hmm. I had nothing to worry about because he had my back and I didn't have to worry about the sound. He'd get up and sort everything out. So um, we were in hospital just before he passed away. Um, there was um, just a little bit of complications. So in, in my mind, there was this kind of poem coming in my mind of, peace and quiet and just rhyming with different words and when I got in I just wrote it down as I thought and and every time we encountered something I wrote a poem or some words or, or just you know putting together I showed him and he said oh looks like you know what you're about and, um, and and that's how through Covid then we, I encountered something I'd write about it and it would be my coping mechanism. And I have to say, I am so sorry for your loss and it's one of the toughest Aww. things that anyone ever has to go through. So honestly, yeah. um, and the way that you've dealt with it and coming out with this book of poetry, and as you said, it's the coping mechanism. How have you have you found now coming out and having published it? 
Um, I'm absolutely terrified because I feel a bit exposed, actually. And um, um, the, the, the publishers sent me the draft and they, they changed a couple of things around and it left one page. Um, and so they put a picture of Mr. Cook and I, because I call him Mr. Cook, um, on the back page. And I, I remember being on, on that particular trip. And I know that you yeah. are doing some fundraising efforts as well for the Leash Hospice Foundation, which is very sweet. Well, we That's will have the, the GoFundMe page is going to be up on our story. So if anyone wants to donate, oh, please go. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Oh, no, I'm only delighted sure. to be able to, to help in any little way that we can here in the station. That's lovely. Thanks so much. Oh, no, I'm de- no, we're only delighted to help. And I think what you're doing is absolutely wonderful and keeping the memory of your husband alive, which is very sweet. And, and so I feel as uh, as his wife, his wife, that 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 I I would honour him in in whichever way. And you're doing it in such a, such a sweet way. So the book launch is actually <laughs> scheduled for September 29th at Hare's Corner in Mount Mellick. So what can people that are going to attend on the day expect? So on the day, the Hare's Corner team who are fantastic, I have to say, um, they've just told me, don't worry about it. We'll do the hosting. So they, they're laying on food, a little bit of wine, and um, and a, a lovely intimate space that we can sit down. I have a number of readers, so friends have volunteered to read some of the poems. Um, a, a really lovely man yesterday, he's a retired teacher, and he's going to read a couple of poems that really reflect um, Martin's grumpy side. So the bit <laughs> where uh, um, he's refusing to go, I wrote a poem about a choice um, before COVID about what to do. And the, the angel comes to take him and, and says, come on, you've got to go, mate. This is it, you've got to go. And he says, well, surely I've got a choice, you know? And Angel says, well, you stay. It's going to be worse, but no one will be able to do oh. Or, dice, you know, go go gently and they can mourn you having not been restricted to come and see you because I felt like COVID was on its way. And on the day of Martin's funeral, there were over 300 people, people I didn't know, didn't realise that he had touched them in some way you know touched as in brushed into their life and and because he's such a gentle quiet you know corner of the pub kind of guy with his pint um but there was all this wonderful outpouring of respect and love and and support and so some of the poems reflect that but then some of them reflect a lovely smile or um going to collect a hug because you're not allowed to hug during covid and um so some of them are really joyous some of them are rampant sadness um but the the expectation is a number of friends are going to read um about six or seven poems and we'll have some music so the music that martin likes well, one piece of music that we both like, so I'm prepared to play. Um, and the other one was, the, the closing one is the one that we danced to when we got married. Again, the Pogue. I'm not really a Pogue's girl, but I'm going to play that one for him as well. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I, 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 I love that. The fact that, you know, you're, you're doing all this and it's such, a, I just think it's a beautiful memory that you have 
of him. And I yeah. know that this might be a tough question, but throughout the book that you have written, which poem yeah. would be your favourite? Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. That is a <laughs> very hard question, um, Shannon. I'm stalling for time trying to think. <laughs> um, so one of them was, it, it's really sad, but um, my nephew um, set it to music and I put it on Facebook, I think maybe the summer after he passed away. And I think I'd woken up. I thought that he was still there. And I think for a while, just went through the house going, well, well, where are you? Where are you? And so I think it's the one that says, where are you? And I, I, I use every part of the house. Are you in the den? Are you in the man shed? Are you in the car? Are you in the living room? Are you in the dining room? And it's, it's just, it picks up on who he is. So sometimes he'd be waiting in the car for me because I'd be ages going, oh no, I've just got to put more nippy on. I've just got nippy blue. I've just got to do this. And he'd be glowering at me when I get out, you know. And so there's different parts of the house where I looked for him. And that day I woke up and walked around the house and then, you know, this is four or five months later, thinking, oh, my God, you're really not here. Like, you're really not here. And, um, sorry, so no, uh, remembering fine. that, um, I think that's my favourite, but just because I, I, I had to grow up and acknowledge that he wasn't, he wasn't there. So that's probably my favourite. And my second, close second favourite is the two. One is meeting a little child who smiled at me. She didn't know anything about me, didn't know that I was sad, I had sunglasses on, and she smiled at me. And, and when she was walking away, she turned around and smiled again. And it's only a short poem, but it was it just kind of hit me that day. And um, my neighbour, my lovely neighbour, one day I knocked at the door to thank him because I'd been incredibly grumpy, closing the door, refusing his kindness and thought when I go out I'm just going to knock on the door and say listen thank you very much and I did and I stood in the doorway and he just came over and gave me a hug and he said I know it's COVID but you need one of these and he Aww. gave me a hug I turned around and walked away I was absolutely destroyed so selfishly the first one is where are you and the second one is the smile time with the hug Oh my god! I actually I cannot <laughs> wait. I cannot wait to read these poems because I love oh, I love the memories fun. that are in them. They're so sweet, and yeah. you know what? It's very true. Time time is just one of those things that no matter how long it's been, you'll always miss him, but he'll always be with you. And yeah. you know what I mean. And that's yeah. and that's the the lovely part of it. And I always say, no matter what, walking down the street, just smile at anyone because you never know what they're going through. And that little smile Absolutely. lifted you up. So it's so true. So Absolutely. I love that you had that memory. But I'm very, yeah. very excited to have your book come out. And again, we will have the link to your GoFundMe campaign up on our story. Oh, so if amazing. anyone wants to go and donate, please go to that is amazing. Thank you. Anytime. Beverly, thank you so much for coming on the show. And as soon as your book is out, I am telling everyone to go and to read this. <laughs>
You are so kind, Shannon. Thank you for taking the time to call me. And and if anyone um, really takes the time to just support Liege Hospice, I'm going to talk them up if that's okay for a second, because they provide um, care within the home. And it's one of the few counties where there is no, you know, allocated um, palliative care unit. And so it's really important to look after this this team of doctors, nurses, professionals to go into people's homes and take care of them in their final years and take care of the family as well. They they do an absolutely amazing job. And at some point in some time of our, in our lives, we're all going to need that care and that support. And so I'm just encouraging everyone to support them. For anyone that is wanting to donate, the link is up on Midlands 103 Facebook and Instagram stories now. So do make sure you go. Every little penny counts. And I know it does mean a lot for Beverly and for the memory that she wants to keep for her husband. But next on Midlands 103, a Contempo String Quartet concert in Charleville Castle. Encore. Brought to you by the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. From the greatest gigs to the best community shows, enjoy it all in the comfort of our newly refurbished theatre. Your theatre, our home. DeanCrowTheatre.com you are back with Shannon Fogarty here on Midlands 103 and Tullamore Gramophone Society are hosting a Contempo String Quartet concert in Charleville Castle on Saturday the 23rd of September at 3pm. And here to tell us everything about the night ahead is committee member Joe Rogers. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. You are a member of the Tullamore Gramophone Society, which is having Correct. this amazing music that is going to go ahead. So... Before we dive into what the event is, can you give us some mm-hmm. background on the Tullamore Gramophone Society itself and what its mission and purpose is? Sure. So the background to Tullamore Gramophone Society is it was founded in 1959. So it's coming up next year, will be 65 years in existence. And there were a lot of such groups in, in you know, various towns around Ireland, and not many of them are left now. Athlone, we know, is, is still in existence, and that's coming up to 75. But it, they were founded to enable music lovers who were not in the capital cities or, you know, big cities to be able to share their love of music. And it's nice to be able to have that outlet for people to go and to play their music, to experience other music that people might be interested in as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing what I've learned since I've been there. Yeah. So, so. Um, ye are hosting a Contempo String Quartet in Charleville Castle yes. on Saturday the 23rd at 3pm. And this is with the National String Quartet Foundation. How yes. did that collaboration come about? Well, it came about because the String Quartet Foundation was founded, I think it was about two years ago, by Christopher Marwood of the Vanborough Quartet that you may have heard of. They were a previous RTE Vanborough Quartet. They had these four-year stints where they appoint a sort of like an in-house quartet. And when the Vanborough, Vanborough came to play for Tullamore Gramford Society, I think in Charleville Castle, before my time, um, and then we'd had Contempo come and play. So I suppose we were on their radar as as a venue when they were planning, you know, where they might present concerts. So they contacted us and said, look, would we promote their concert? And, um, you know, we said, yeah, we'll apply for funds. And um, fortunately, we were, we were um, offered the funds by Offaly Arts. And so, yeah, so that's how that came about. And it's amazing because I know we were just talking briefly before um, we came on that the acoustics in Charleville Castle are 
just perfect for this sort of concert. Yeah. Yes, yes. There's something about the shape of the room that they have all, all the musicians who have been there enjoy playing. Uh, so, yeah. So this specific concert, the Contempo Quartet, why was that one chosen for the performance? Ah, uh, well, Contempo, they're, they're really special. They were from, what, 2014 to 2019, I think it was. They were the RTE um, Contempo Quartet. So, you know, they appeared at the concert hall regularly throughout the year. And we had, I heard them in Tullamore um, just playing, you know, conventional string quartet music. And for the second half of the concert, they, um, um, they, they played with some European folk band, some mad, barking mad, fantastic folk music. And I thought, wow, <laughs> you know, they can do everything. So anyway, we've had, Tullamore Gramsland Society have had them twice before in Charleville Castle. So, you know, it's, it was a no-brainer <laughs> when we were asked uh, which of the quartets that are on tour would we like. We, we said, well, please, could we have Contempo? So that's how that came about. So there's some incredible composers that they're going to be featuring. So it's amazing to see oh, what, yeah. they're, what they could, could have on the night. So do you know for the overall experience on September 23rd what people can expect? Well, the, a, a range of music, basically. You know, we've got the... Um, I don't know the order in which they will do them, but from the very early Haydn music, because Haydn was, what, 18th? I can never remember the um, remember my um, the dates, but Haydn was, yes, 18th century, um, early 18th century, right up to modern music. And, and the Schubert, I mean, is it, an amazing piece. It was the last quartet that he wrote, and it's, um, yeah, no, it's, it's just lovely. There's, there is something for everyone. They will, they will if, even if they don't know the music, it will be communicated to them in such a way that they'll want to hear more. That's the one, that's the one thing I would say. Um, and and the, the atmosphere in Charleville is lovely. You know, it's a lovely ambience, um, for, particularly for chamber music. It is, so, and it's, yeah. a, it's a beautiful setting. I've been out to Charleville Castle. I haven't been inside just yet, but I have been on the outside, oh. and it's a fabulous setting. So I can only imagine inside with the music. It's just it's a yeah. another layer to it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so you know, there will be people there to help with parking. Um, the, the volunteers at the castle help with that. And, you know, if the weather is nice, it's great because people can go for a walk, <laughs> you know, in the woods. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's great. It's a good venue. It is. So for anyone that's listening that's very much excited to want to be able to go to this, where can they get tickets? Ah, well, they can get tickets from tracks in the Bridge Centre. They, they have them for sale, you know. Um, you, they, can, they can get them on Eventbrite. Just look up the Contemporary Quartet, uh, Tullamore Chuck Gramophone Society, um, and it, the date is the, the 23rd of September, Saturday, at 3 o'clock. Uh, or they can call the following number. I'll give you the, a number that they can call. They can even contact us through our Facebook page. That's Tullamore Gramophone Society. Just send us a direct message and reserve tickets, and, and we, we, we'll do that. The number they can call is 
Perfect. So if anyone wants tickets, those are the areas that you go to get them. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. It sounds like an absolutely amazing afternoon that is going to happen down in the Charleville Castle on Saturday, 23rd of September. Thank you so much for coming Uh, on the show. Thanks, Shannon. It was my pleasure. Thank you. If you are interested in getting tickets, then head over to Eventbrite or you can get them through the Tullamore Gramophone Society Facebook page. Next here on Midlands 103, the National Ploughing Championship has just finished. So we are going to look back on last year's Creative Ireland arts piece and see where it is today. Encore, brought to you by the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. From the greatest gigs to the best community shows, enjoy it all in the comfort of our newly refurbished theatre. Your theatre, our home, deancrowtheatre.com. This is Shannon Fogarty with Encore on Midlands 103. And over the three days of the Ploughing Championships, last year's artist Lisa Fingleton produced a large-scale interactive drawing project that responded to the solutions for climate change offered by farmers. And Lisa joins us now to tell us how the three days and the project went. You did a large-scale interactive drawing project at the National Ploughing Championships last year. How did the entire process over the three days of that go? Oh, it was amazing. It's hard to believe it's a year ago already. Um, We drew for three days with farmers from the Dingle project and we basically interviewed hundreds of farmers at the ploughing about what their ideas were in terms of taking climate action or protecting biodiversity on their farms and it was absolutely amazing the suggestions that people came up with so we drew those on the wall for three days and um, as you might remember last year there was a, a ferocious amount of rain on the last day so it was it was just incredible <laughs> trying to draw in the rain but it was really really positive and we had a great response. And what inspired this project to come about and the overall reaction for farmers was positive, was it? Yeah, so so in answer to your first question, I suppose what what brought it about was um, the government have funded these creative climate action projects, they're called, and what we were working on was a pilot project. And I suppose what we were looking at was, you know, a lot of people hear the science of climate change and they hear the facts, but it's, it's, scaring some people and maybe some people are feeling well what's the point because what can we do we're only a small country so what this um, climate fund is about is trying to capture people's imagination to say yes of course we can do things and of course we can take action but obviously we need to listen to people and see what people's ideas were so that was that was kind of the 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 idea behind that and there's another round of climate action just just starting now but I suppose in terms of what we were what I wasn't sure about is how people would react but I guess the fact that People knew that I was grower and farmer myself. I'd come from the Midlands, I'd come from Stradbally, um, farming background. Maybe that helped them to kind of trust me a little bit. And and I suppose it was different as well. There was a hundred foot wall, a massive long wall. And we were telling everyone we were going to fill them with their ideas. So yeah, they seemed to trust us. But it was really lovely because some people came with their children. And one little girl came back four times and she kept um, looking and checking to see what was up on the wall. And she had said, you know, I, you need to put a talking cow on the wall because if cows could talk, they could tell us what to do. And I just thought it was so lovely. And, and another um, young farmer from um, Cork, a dairy farmer, said, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sell the farm and go to Ibiza. He said, I have so much debt, <laughs> so much stress. And that was the most popular drawing that loads of young people came and took selfies with sell the farm and go to Ibiza so it was funny but it was also serious and it's a topic that is you know as you said serious so I guess what was the most common sort of reaction that farmers had when they were drawing on that wall well we we did the drawings with the farmers from Dingle so we were the ones drawing it wasn't it wasn't um, 
that farmers themselves were drawing, what they would do is we would interview them, write down their ideas, and then we would draw it on the wall. Um, so I suppose in a, in a lot of senses, there was a frustration to start with. People mm. were like, listen, you know, the, the amount of hoops we have to jump through, why can't it be make easier to, to make the changes? And so we recorded all those at the start. And so the start of the wall recorded some of those frustrations about bureaucracy and feeling like it should be easier. It should be easier to do the right thing. You know, why are we still reliant on, you know, using chemicals and, and, and pesticides when we know that we can grow regeneratively and we can grow organically? Why are we not supporting people to grow more vegetables when we're talking about moving towards a plant-based diet? Like, why are those supports not in place? So there was that frustration in the beginning. But then as people saw that we'd written those up, they were able to move on then with the more positive, or the, I'm not saying they weren't positive, but they were, they were able to move on with other ideas. So loads of people were talking about, you know, leaving areas of their farm for nature, they were talking about their experiences putting in solar panels, maybe for dairy or reducing their herd and, go and diversifying into other things. There was lots of positives and, and lots of people were talking about making connections. They felt that there was too much disconnect between the farm and the consumer. And, you know, if you're if you're, you know, growing food from East, then connections with the butchers, connection, making local co-ops um, in, in Ireland, you know, that a lot of people felt that local butchers were gone, you know. The, the last dingle butcher's there now and who knows for how long he'll be there. And that's interesting to hear because I feel like a local butcher, it's more personal, I think, when you're going down and getting your meat from a local butcher. Yeah, like whether it's, you know, local local vegetable growers. I mean, we're, I think 1% of our farms are growing vegetables at the minute. Growers are finding it. The only grower on our project went out of business this year. He just couldn't sustain. You cannot compete with, yeah. the, with the below cost selling of vegetables. And, and the same with butchers, you know, it's just too difficult to compete in a world where, you know, we, we just don't value food enough, I think. And the really simple thing we can do is just buy local and buy in season. Ask your local growers, and what, what have you got in January, February? What can I support you with? What can I buy? And how can I change my diet to eat that? So I think there was a lot of talk about that at the Ploughing Championship mm-hmm. and the drawing. When people saw that we were actually writing their real ideas on the wall, there was a huge engagement. And even in the lash and rain, I turned around to see people clapping like it was really sweet. I think they felt sorry for me. You know, <laughs> they were like, oh my God, you've got to stay drawing her ideas, even though it's running down the wall. Um, and then from the ploughing then, that went, the OPW um, were, were brilliant. They put it up and they took it down and they brought it to the Irish Museum of Modern Art. And they installed it there for a festival called Earth Rising that's on again this year, all about climate change and biodiversity um, at the Museum of Modern Art. And so the whole 100 foot drawing was, was shown there then for, I think it was three or four days. And um, that was really good because the farmers got to come to Dingle again and talk to, you know, lots of generations of people about food and the issues for farming. So that was really positive. And it was nice to know that this project wasn't just to be done at the plough and it, it has been brought out and discussions have been kept going about this climate change action that, that farmers obviously want to see done. Well, you know, it was really good because um, around the time when we realised we were going to the ploughing, we were, the farmers were saying like, you know, there was 10 farm families involved in this project and they were like, we'd love if people could hear our voices. Mm. We feel like the farmers' voices are not being heard. So we had, we had some budget because... Um, we were able to save some money as we went along through the project. We were very frugal and we managed to save some money to make a film. So we actually made a film. So each of the farmers got the chance to tell their story in a, in a short in a short film that were all put together into a longer film called Voices from the Field. And that's literally the farmers saying, this is what we think of this project. This is what we think about climate change. These are the, some of the things that we're going to try and do in our farm. And it's really hopeful. So 
that wasn't meant to be an outcome of the project. But sometimes, you know, that's the lovely thing about creativity and art. I'm sure you find it all the time that things just expand and develop in ways we just have no idea. So, so that film then went to visual in Carlo. It was shown in, in the Blasket Centre on a, on a nice cold night back in January. And that's now going to be screened again um, tomorrow, actually, the 23rd of September in the Museum of Modern Art at two o'clock. And everyone's welcome to come and see that. That's amazing. And as you said, they just want their voices to be heard and to get across. So the fact that this Voices from the Field had come from that project, I think, is amazing because there is something about art that no matter what form it comes through, it's amazing to see what can be created. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's amazing. Like as artists, like we start with blank pages often or blank canvases or a notebook to write a song. And it's just like this inspired thing that, that you know, happens that you, you, you really get inspired and, and the flow goes and, and something develops that we could never imagine. And, you know, I think sometimes like science is, is, is great and very important, but we, we need artists now to really imagine a future that is, you know, clean and good for everybody and good for the planet. And that is lovely and it would be a great, great weekend. You have a lot coming up which is very exciting. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us all about your projects that you've created, especially the ones that you did over ploughing last year. Thanks a million. Thank you very much. Bye now. If you are around this weekend, make sure to go and see Lisa Fingleton in Emo. It'll definitely be worth a look. Next here on Midlands 103, we are going to see how the hashtag wall to wool project at this year's ploughing has got on. Encore, brought to you by the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. From the greatest gigs to the best community shows, enjoy it all in the comfort of our newly refurbished theatre. Your theatre, our home, deancrowtheatre.com. This is Shannon Fogarty with Encore here on Midlands 103. And we were just chatting about last year's Creative Ireland's art piece that they had. And this year it is hashtag wall to wall. So I got a chance to go over and chat to them about the project they held for the three days of the Ploughing Championships. Hi, how are you? My name's Lorna and I'm from the company called Woolen School, director of Woolen School. Perfect. So you're here with Creative Ireland doing this hashtag wall to wall, which absolutely, it looks amazing. Tell me about the whole process of it coming to the National Planning Championships. Well, the whole idea was it came from Creative Ireland and Arts in Kildare who approached us to pull together and lead this amazing project. It is about community, culture, heritage and Irish grown wool. Um, and what we did was we asked uh, knitters around the country first to produce uh, the squares that are around these gorgeous panels. and. The outreach, that was our outreach component using Galway Wool. And it, it was it's important that this whole thing is about community and it is also about St. Bridget. So it's representing St. Bridget's cloak, commemorating the, the 1,500 years commemoration coming up. So uh, there's a lot of links in, t- in this as well. We've had a couple of links in relation to literature as well. Our Seamus Heaney Square was one of the squares that came out from our groups in Dunboyne. And uh, so what we were doing uh, over the three days is asking people to make, you know, creative elements using Irish wool. So it's really about showcasing our our heritage and the the uses of Irish wool and sustainability. You know, so we're trying to educate people on the new uses of wool. Uh, as opposed to using synthetic uh, yarns that would be found, you know, that are made from 
uh, the oils. So it's really, really, as well as an education component as well. So we're actually trying to uh, showcase wool, showcase education, sustainability, the versatility of wool as well. And I mean, it's incredible what you've got going on here. So how has it, the response been for it? The response has been amazing. We've actually had a lot of people sitting down. Uh, we've a lot of, had a lot of boys actually coming over wanting to, to create a few elements. And uh, it's really, um, it's because it's such a crafty kind of, uh, the elements are so crafty that anybody can do them. Um, so you don't have to be a knitter, you don't have to be a crochet, but you, if you are a crochet or great, please do come down and <laughs> help us along because we've still got another panel to do tomorrow. But, um, you know, it is it's great that it's for all ages. It's for everybody. We've had men as well. It's not just for the women. It's the men, women, the boys and the girls. It can be a little family kind of activity. And it only takes five minutes. You know, we really research it to make sure that it's not going to take, uh, you know, a half an hour, an hour of your time here. It'll literally just take you five minutes to make a small element and then you can uh, decide where you would like to be put up on the panel and our artisan resident, uh, Michelle, will then stick it up and put it up and tie it onto the panel. So it just shows that this is a community effort, you know, it's a community uh, symbol of everybody coming together and heritage, culture. Um, because obviously knitting and creativity is so grounded here in Ireland so that's what it's about, it's about community. And I, I love that it's about community and the fact that anyone can come and they can do a, a bit like this and it only takes as you said five minutes which I think is very very sweet and it, it being down at the National Ploughing Championship you must have gotten a lot of people who never would have thought of even looking at wool being like this is something that I think I'll consider doing after I leave. Yeah and that's the whole idea and it's also about you know when people come in and they see the colour, they see how artistic uh, something can be and, and it doesn't necessarily have to, have to have the skills, you know, you can be as creative as you want to be um, and that's what we're trying to encourage. We're trying to encourage the, the, the next generation as well on, uh, you know, the versatility of all, the sustainability, the benefits of real, real Irish Irish grown wool, not the synthetic yarns that are found. Um, we want to encourage children um, to be the next generation of uh, focusing on the Irish grown wool in our country so that we can valorise that for our farmers so that when people are buying Irish wool uh, they are supporting the farmers as well. So th it is actually very fitting that something like this is here that it's not, you know, this is not necessarily something to, that needs to be, uh, you know, in museums or different places. This, it's actually very fitting that it's at the Ploughing Fest, the, the Ploughing Championships as well. Um, and even with our Seamus Heaney Square, you know, that links in to, with his writing. He would have been writing about the ploughing and, and, and his experiences as, as a child in the country. So it all kind of tied in. Um, so that, that's what this is. This is really so important, education for everybody as well and, and the community. And you've been working with Creative Ireland to bring this down here. How has it been working with them? Oh, they're fantastic. You know, they, they came to us. I mean, we, <laughs> I always thought we were the one with the ideas but and thinking outside the box. But when they came to us, I think it was a, it was a good synergy between the two, two ourselves, Wool and School, and Creative Ireland, because that is what we do. We're, we're creative. We're creative thinkers. And we do think out of the box. And to be able to work with them closely to deliver such a fantastic project has been such a pleasure. And how long has it taken to, from the development stages of this to actually bring it here? How long was that entire process? We've had 12 weeks. 
and that's not long for something like this. It's been 14 hours a day, really, to pull something like this together, you know, and we have had a fantastic team of artists as well, um, who are all experienced, and all experienced in textiles, you know, and in, in wool, so we don't just pull people, we know we need to have a very strong team for something like this, and have a good knowledge base as well, so, uh, yeah, so it has been 12 weeks, but it's been the, the best 12 weeks. <laughs> And just for after the National Ploughing, where will this piece go or what's the next sort of time frame or chapter? Yeah, we're, we're still in discussions about that because there's actually a lot of, um, there's a lot of talk and chatter of where this is actually going to go because there's an awful lot of interest around the country. So the one that's currently finished, um, that was uh, done before the ploughing, let's just say, that one is probably going to end up somewhere very, very special, you know. Um, so we're just keep an eye on. We, we, we'll be announcing that, you know. Then, then the next one that is nearly finished now, uh, that has a place for as well. So uh, we have another one then to start, and they will, you know, they have, they will have some very good homes. Yeah. So for anyone that wants to find out where these pieces will be going, where can they go to find out? They're going to have to, they'll find out on our, our uh, social media page, uh, Woolen School or Creative Ireland. It's always incredible to see what kind of art pieces are created, especially at events like the National Ploughing Championship. So do let me know if you were down there and how you got on and what you liked and if you got a little bit wet, but that's all grand. So thank you to all of the team from Creative Ireland for letting us kind of get a deep dive into the hashtag wall of wool challenge at the Ploughing 2023. That is all the time we have this evening on Encore. I hope you have enjoyed this evening's show and thank you to all of my amazing guests for joining me this week. Remember, if you want to listen back to any of the interviews this evening, you will be able to find it on podcast on midlands103.com tomorrow. I'll be back next Thursday with more of what's been happening in the arts in Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. And if there's anything you would like included on next week's show, make sure to email me encore at midlands103.com. Stay with us as Joe Cooney is up just after the 8 o'clock news with Country Roads and all the best country music. Have a great weekend and I'll be back to check you next Thursday from 7 o'clock right here on Midlands 103. Encore, brought to you by the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. From the greatest gigs to the best community shows, enjoy it all in the comfort of our newly refurbished theatre. Your theatre, our home, deancrowtheatre.com.